Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Sorry I didn't give you like a 10, five-minute warning, any of that. I had to get caught up here. Today's going to be a unique day coming in the new service, so I had to get some certain things on my laptop here. So with all that being said, let me open in prayer, and we can finish chapter 23 today. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another wonderful Shabbat. Father, we delight to enter into your Shabbat. We come to hear from you, and we ask, please speak to us and empower us so we can walk out these commandments, these uh, gifts of love that you've given us. Help give us an uh, uh, renew our minds to understand you, Father. And we, we just thank you. We thank you that your words became flesh. He's dwelt among us. We trust in whom you sent. And that is Yeshua we see as our Messiah. And we thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, awesome. Well, as usual, um, I'll take some of this first half here uh, of the study here. I'll go through uh, as far as I can get here. And then the mic will be with Paul. So just raise your hand. And like I said, uh, uh, let's try to finish. We should be able to finish this portion. Okay? We should be able to do that. Okay? Um, or at least this chapter is what I mean by this portion. They're one and the same this time. So... We left off uh, with, this, uh, with this idea, all right? So I want to carry that on all the way through, okay? So it goes Matthew 23, uh, 28. So to you outwardly indeed appear righteous to men, but inside you are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness, okay? So we left off there, and we also left off with the understanding the law is not the problem, right? His commandments, his guidance for our life, that's not the problem. The problem always relies in us, okay? So, and that goes for uh, another way to say law it would be the Torah. The Torah is not the fault. It's what we do with it and how we either ignore it or how we operate in it, okay? So, so it's one of these things. So if you see, if you, if you throw away the law, like Yahshua is accusing this group here, if you throw away that law, throw away those commandments, right? And in reality, you become, you were doing exactly the same thing that they are doing. All right. So, and what I mean by that, for a lot of times people go around, oh, you're being a Pharisee, you're bearing a Pharisee. And they're using this reference, okay, saying, yeah, well, Messiah, first of all, he is talking to a specific small group of Pharisees, not all Pharisees. He's talking to this group, this group that happens to be here. They are doing this. So this little group of Pharisee doesn't equal all Pharisees, 
and it doesn't equal all Jews, okay? No, it's this, these specific people at this time here in Jerusalem at this conversation. Because I pointed out to you, there's plenty of things that Messiah does that the Pharisees does. Messiah has built fences for help. Messiah participated in traditions and things like that. All right? Now, I don't want to debate any of those things. I want to actually just go to how Messiah is summing this all up. Okay? Which we can incorporate even on the smallest level in our lives. Okay? Before we start getting into all these other things. Right? That is, don't be filled with hypocrisy. All right? And don't be lawlessness. Don't throw the Torah away. Don't walk your life without the Torah, those guidance and those instructions for you. That's what he's accusing them of. All right? So let's, you know, actually for me, I'm saying, let's stay on point where Messiah is and not take that and start applying it on a huge broad stroke, which... It does not fit if you read the rest of the New Testament, if you know some of the history that's going on. And I'm not saying there isn't fault here and there, okay? So whatever fault might be with somebody else that's with them, we have to worry about the fault that's within us, right? We got to start there first. So that's, that's the premise how I want to finish all this here, okay? So... So, and why I said that was a lot of uh, are coming from our traditions, they'll look at this text and look at the Pharisees or this or that and whatever. But if you look real close, how he, he's accusing them being without Torah. And like I said, if you were on the mindset, well, we don't need to do all that stuff. In reality, this small section here you cannot use because in turn, you'd be acting the same way, throwing away the Torah. Okay, so you can't do that. So what I was look, what we are looking at is Yeshua addresses this attitude. Uh, we see it's the attitude of the heart. We also read here: whomever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Okay, so we have to put all these parts in into this conversation, and to let's say the accusations that Messiah is making. Make sure we understand on point. How they are, how he's applying them, and to who? Okay. So the Torah teaches us, as we've learned, right? God's word, right, teaches us how to do these things. So we can't throw away the Torah. We can't throw away the instructions, because that doesn't make any sense if you really start thinking about it. If we, oh, the Torah is done away with. In reality, Christian lingo would, would if we would transfer that into. Uh, Christian lingo that we're used to, it would say, God's word has been done away with, right? So we got to make sure we make the comparisons clear, okay? So let me get a drink of water here. So as we um, continue here, and I will get, I'll have some hands, let me get going through some of this, please. Um, thank you, Joe, Okay. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and, and decorate the monuments of the righteous, okay? And you say, if we had lived in those days our, uh, of our fathers, we would not have taken part of the blood of the prophets. Thus, you bear witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who did murder the prophets, okay? 
and you fill up the measure uh, of your fathers. Serpents, brood of adders, how would you escape the judgment of Gehenna? So this really can speak to us today. And uh, uh, and here's something else. Notice how Messiah's words can be back then, you know, as much as they are for us today. They have this, uh, Messiah's words are past, present, and future, okay? If we're willing to accept it the way he's talking, okay? What was the message? Because here he's talking, let's say, look at this whole idea that's going on here. It's about the prophets, okay? You build the tombs of the righteous prophets, okay? And you say that we wouldn't do those things, okay? So we have to, at least this is what I'm going to present to you. We're going to have to look at this in its context and know uh, what's going on here, okay? First would be, what's the message of the prophets, Okay, what was that message of the prophets? Okay, the message of the prophets and of John and Yeshua as well was all the same message. And it was, the good news is here, right? Now remember, Messiah hasn't died yet, so what's that good news? All right, the same good news that the prophets brought. The good news is you can repent, you can turn back. You can return back to the commandments and be saved. That's what the prophet said way back there. It was always the same message. Okay? Now, I'm going somewhere. Going, I'm going in a direction here that I'm going to make it relevant for us as well if that's not enough right there, okay? But, so you, let's look at it this way. You're a believer, right? You trust and follow Messiah, okay? And we uphold this guy, right? We look to this guy, this rabbi, and then we turn around and don't do what he says, is that no different than building the beautiful tombs? And we would not do that, but building up those tombs of the righteous and the prophets? I don't see any difference there. So that's where we have to look, is there hypocrisy in us? So we can't start finger-pointing at the Pharisees and saying, oh, if we lived back then, we wouldn't have done that. How many times do we think, well, because we, it's so easy to read the stories of them in the wilderness and like, oh my gosh, why are they complaining? They're, you know, they're, the cloud has taken them out. What an awesome sight. But if we start really thinking about it, would we be part of those groups? Oh my gosh, I want to get back to New York where I got the subway, where I can get along, where there's, you know, it's seriously. So we need to look at all this, to me, first of all, on just the simplest level, how it can transform our lives and our thought patterns. Because I guarantee it, I, I don't see myself, if that were in the wilderness, I might have been one of those ones back and forth. I know, like, yes, honey, you know, I don't know. This is rough. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Don't talk to me right now. I'm thirsty. You, you know what I'm saying? So, 
we really have to look how uh, in that. And I believe, for me, that's what Messiah needs us to understand. The fundamentals before we can start building other things are coming out of that, uh, that way. Because, you know, the, the reality is, if we do say that we're followers or we're Christians, which is a follower of Messiah, okay, and then what, we have, what we're doing is we're bearing witness against ourselves. Because as soon as you say, I'm a believer, whether it's in Messiah or a believer of the Bible, you, to the world and to yourself, you bear witness of who you say that you are. You know, and he's done that with plenty of people. He goes, you know, I don't need, Messiah even said to a lot of people, you know, I don't need to judge you. Let Moses judge you who, who you uphold so dear and you're looking at, you know? So we really have to look at that. And that's what I think Messiah is trying to bring out for all of us here, okay? We do have a responsibility um, in so many ways not to become hypocritical, you know, and to uphold this Torah, the, these commandments the best way that we can. Okay? Yes, I know we're all going to stumble and have things like that, but we need to get back. And that's why we need each other to help so we can do that. Okay? It is that issue in the heart. Okay? Because we all have access to a Bible. Uh, and my other part that I was thinking in here that I have, how we read before, it's your responsibility. It's not mine, Mark, your wife, or your friend, or your mom, or your dad. It's your responsibility to take the authority that you have and get your faith in order. All right? Because nobody else's faith or trust in the Bible can save you. It is your own deeds and how you walk your life out. That's where it's at. Nobody else can do it for you. Even Messiah can't really do it for you. All he can do, which he's already done, is give you the words and say, follow me, I'm right here. He can't come inside you and make you do this or that. All he can do is say, just follow my commandments, follow my love. I've taken care of all the other stuff. Just follow after my commandments, you know? So, so, oh, and I have here, here's something to note, all right, just in case, because I'm just up my words, let's use some other people's here. Here's something to note, uh, look at what Paul says on how, how he sees the relationship of Messiah in the Torah, okay? This is First uh, Corinthians 10. For I do not wish you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, okay, that all, that all our fathers were under the cloud. What's that referring to? It's when they were in the wilderness, they came out, right? Under the cloud and passed through that sea, right? And real quick, remember in our story where we're at, this is the time of Passover, that I've been trying to ingrain in you where we're at. He's at, you know, Passover time, and he's talking about these things. And 
I, I don't think it's not by any coincidence how I'm researching things, and all of a sudden I come to a Passover story that Paul's using to teach us something, or those back then as much as us for today. So they all passed. And they all were uh, immersed in Moses and in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate that same spiritual food, right? That same ruach. See, the spirit was present back then, okay? And drank that same Holy Spirit set-apart drink, okay? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed. And that rock was Messiah, so Paul, right here, is equating Messiah back then just as much as Messiah at his point, and when Paul's writing this, had died and has gone in the hope of his return, okay? So however, okay, however, with most of them, Elohim, God, was not pleased for they, uh, for, for they were uh, laid low in the wilderness. So he's, right now, Paul has just compared the wilderness experience to those people present that he's talking to and also present to us today, meaning there's no difference. Okay? What he's about to say applies across the board. And those became examples for us, see? <laughs> and you can't use an example if it really doesn't mean something for you right now and today. That's how I'm looking at examples for us, so that we should not lust after those uh, those um, as they indeed they lusted after. Meaning, they all had the Messiah in the wilderness, which we see equates to the same words and everything. No different than us that we have right now. That means nothing's changing here, but. We do have a little bit of an advantage. We can look back and say, wow, they were murmuring. They did this. They did that. So when it comes to our time and right now, is that something that we need to look at? Of course, yes. Okay? So, and if there's any doubt uh, about this whole issue, if anyone's looking at the text here, well, those those fathers, that's just, you know, that's just Israel, or that's just the Jews, and, and all that type of thing. Well, I have news for you. It's not, because the fathers are the patriarchs, okay? That's really what it boils down to, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And guess what? That's the God who we follow, okay? So whether you're grafted in or adopted, you're still part of that family, and those are our fathers, wherever we come from. So you can't squirrel and squeam out of this one on any type of way, okay? So, so if you're the, it comes back to you're, you're part of the seed of Abraham, you're part of that family, you've been adopted in, you've been grafted in, this applies to you, and they are your fathers now. Yes. Do you have a... No, see you. <laughs> no, and that's why I said there's been adopted, been you know various ways. It still comes back to that same principle. So the Torah is the instructions on what is evil and what is not, as we see right here. Paul's bringing out. How else are we going to know? 
So, so for them, as it is for us today, the Torah never changes. His, his guide for what is right, righteous lifestyle hasn't changed or has been done away with. And then just something else to add here. If you go to, um, you can do this later, uh, Messiah never changes. I was just showing you how, if we're looking at Messiah, Paul's taking Messiah, he's comparing it back then. And then in Hebrews, it says this, Messiah is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Again, you can't get away from what Paul is now reinforcing as we go through the text here. So if there's a question, real quick, let me take the drink of water, and then we can... We're going to finish chapter 23 today. It's going to be awesome. I have several uh, interpretations of this. Uh, when uh, Ashua was talking to the Pharisees, the word woe, woe, uh, he did not hold back on telling these guys what they were. Mm -hmm. The word that keeps jumping out to me is inside, inside of you, you're doing this, and inside and the outside is a contrast of what uh, they're trying to show their superiority and their uh, the goodness, everything else. But it's in the inside for the scriptures uh, speaks of for out the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Mm -hmm. And that's where sin originates, anyways, from the heart. Also, uh, the fact that uh, when uh, the weightiest matter of the Torah, instead of all these other things, the weight, the weight means a heavier thing mm -hmm. that the Pharisees and the scribes were not doing, the hypocrites were not doing. But it's the weightiest matter of the Torah that we should be following and not by the human traditions of uh, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, Sadducees. Mm -hmm. No, I, yes, and that's what I'm trying to convey that point. But at the same time, I also want to add that just traditions of those things aren't wrong. We shouldn't throw those away because Messiah didn't necessarily do that either. He's getting to the core issue, I think, of what you're pointing out. It's within that, uh, within that person, you know, yes. Uh, Paul. It's an interesting definition. Uh, I mean, we use terms all the time, uh, hypocrite, uh, but this comes from the Greek word um, hypocrisy here. Hypocris. Mm, I'm not wearing my glasses case or something. But bottom line is a, a, a person who assumes a role, you know, like in the, It's a theatrical putting, turn. Yeah, a theatrical yeah. turn of putting on a mask and pretending to be one thing in front of an audience mm -hmm. that you really aren't when you're taking that mask off. So... To be a hypocrite means that, okay, if we show up on Shabbat and we t pretend to be a certain way, and then in our normal lives, whether we're at school or whether we're at work or over here among so-called friends, mm -hmm. we're something different, that's a hypocrite. It doesn't always have to be a term that's just applied to a religious teaching, but if we're Correct. living life as a hypocrite and we're sowing that type of pattern in our heart, then the question would be, how are we sowing it when it comes to the Torah and when it comes to Yeshua and following the commandment. So that's the question that each one of us individually would look at and say, okay, like you said, 
we want to condemn the Pharisees and them and say, oh, yeah, I wouldn't. Boy, I can't believe those guys did that. But hmm. does it apply to us individually? Yes. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. So let's continue here. Matthew 23, uh, 34. Because of this, see, I send you prophets and wise men and scholars of the scripture. Uh, some of them you shall kill and impel, and some of them you shall flog in your congregations and persecute from city to city, so that on you should come the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of the righteous Havel, I think that's Abel, uh, to the blood of Zechariah, son of uh, Bekura, whom you murdered between the dwelling place and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all this shall come upon this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to her. How often I wish to gather your children together. The way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not, but you would not. See, your house is left to you laid waste. For I say to you, from now on you shall by no means see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. So where I want to take this, um, again, drawing out what we can apply for ourselves today, okay? I think it's much better, and I think Paul even pointed it out as well. If we start finger-pointing maybe a lot of that based on things that we don't really know, okay, and making out people groups and thinking that we know all that stuff, it's not going to benefit us one at all, and it's not what he's asked us how to behave. So what I want to do is do that. How can, I, how can we look at this and apply this for us today? This, this is my suggestion to you. So it's talking about Jerusalem, okay? And like I said, remember what feast time that we are in. He is quoting from Psalm 118, and we have that at the end, but we'll probably not get to it. But uh, Psalms 118, put those notes down, go back and read that. It's kind of interesting. Messiah, in a lot of ways, covers a lot of that stuff that's there. Um. Go ahead. Uh, I feel like the Lord's had on my heart a couple times, and I wanted to speak up, and I'm so I'm going to say what I believe is on my heart, and that is, I don't believe that reading the scripture is the appropriate thing to do. The book sits on the on the table. Well, if the book is sitting on the table, it should be picked up and read. If the book is picked up and read; it should be read and lived in, at least I try to, when I'm reading the scriptures, I'm trying to imagine myself in that moment, in that time, and, and walking. If they're walking in the desert, I try to imagine myself walking in the desert, walking and, and eating the manna. I don't know what it tastes like, but they said it tastes like honey. And, but try to imagine the year after, you know, day after day, day after day, day after day, eating, eating the same thing and... and seeing the same thing and realizing it's a blessing, but have I gotten tired of it? What am, what am I feeling? So I try to, so, so what I'm saying is, I don't believe in reading the scripture and passing over it. I believe in 
reading the scripture, and it's on my heart to say this, to, to try to live into the scripture that's being read, that you're reading, to kind of try to live in that moment, feel what they're feeling, and try to see what the downfalls are, what the things that would cause them to act the way they act, that maybe as we live today, not act incorrectly, not, not do against God's perspective, because we can feel what they felt. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, that's, that's my comment. Awesome. Well, thank you, Barry. And now I think uh, if, if, if you read the scriptures and you don't do them, they're not going to benefit you. That really, you know, it is an action and something that we need to actually live out. That's the purpose of it. Okay. So, um, where did I leave off? So, in here, let's keep an idea of our identity. Okay. I think that's very important. Okay. And I'm going to come from it this way. At the end of the book, Let's say Revelation, right? At the end of the book, there's only one people, okay? And, there, and I'm not going to mention all the ones that aren't there, but there's only one people. There's only one bride, and that's Israel. So if you belong to any kind of organization, any other type of name, and you're not part of that family... So I'm trying to say you want to make sure you have your identity correct. You may not know that, but you need to know that. You need to understand your identity. Because if you don't, a lot of the texts aren't going to be speaking to you, or it's so easy for, well, this is about Jerusalem and those Jews. I'm, I'm not part of any of that. So that doesn't apply to me. All right? But if you believe in the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Somewhere along the line, you are Israel. You're part of that big family. And until you get that, a lot of this stuff that we read, it's not going to mean much. And like I said, it's easy to put it off the side, and it does not apply to me. And I think that's been maybe some of, our, some of the things that we are being refreshed in our walk and coming to know more about who we are, you know, and really know about the family of the Almighty. All right? So, so understanding the identity. Because um, Messiah has called you back to a family. The terminology's there many, many times. Okay? And there's not a changing of the family either. There's not one type of family is going to replace another family. It's always been the same family, the same standards, the same requests. Okay, some been, you know, so, so with that, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the problem. Uh, Jerusalem, what is Jerusalem? Okay, what is Jerusalem? See, we have to start defining these things or understanding them. It's the center of the kingdom of Israel. Okay, now, like I said, unless you're part of the Israel family, uh, it's just, you know, it's just a holy city over there. It doesn't really matter. And Jesus did some cool things there, you know. No, it's the center of his kingdom. 
his united kingdom. All right? You know another terminology that defines that? It's the kingdom of heaven. And Jerusalem's the very center of it. And that's nothing new. At least that's how I would suggest to you. It's where the place where his name is placed, his throne where he sits, okay? And you see how easily this starts incorporating anyone who follows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You can't start excluding yourself from anything here. So, and the most awesome thing that I come across, which probably we all know and we've read the verses, but maybe this will come home a little bit more. It's the place where his teachings go forth from. It's where the word of God comes forth and goes out. It's the center of the king. It's the king of heaven. And why I say that is this, Micah. The prophet says this, and many nations shall come up and say, okay, this is in the future, okay? This is something that we are going to be looking forward to, all right? So this is the bride. <laughs> these are these nations, all right? However you want to look at it. And many nations shall come up and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahuwah, to the house of, uh, of the Elohim of Jacob, and let, us, let him teach us his ways, his words, his commandments, and let us walk in his paths, what he designed for us. For Adazion, which is Jerusalem, comes forth the teachings, the Torah, the word of Yahuwah from Jerusalem. So if you're believing God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jerusalem's very important to you. Just so you know, it's in the last book as well. Okay? So <laughs> you can't get away from this concept. And I saw the holy city, that set-apart city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from Elohim out of the heavens, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So there's many ways you can apply this, okay? But my whole point is Jerusalem's very important, okay? It became something important for the United Kingdom where he brought the promised land where Joshua, Yahshua, brought them all in to that promised land. Jerusalem became that very place, especially if you tend to like a lot of what David writes about. You had David in there building that, building that temple, building a place that our Elohim uses to really talk to us. It's very important. Isaiah, if that, you know, Micah I have for you, Isaiah says the same exact thing almost word for word. And many people shall come up and say, come up and let us go up to the mountain of, El of Yahuwah to the house of the Elohim of Jacob, and let him teach us his ways, and let us, meaning we better walk in his ways and his paths, for out of Zion comes forth the Torah, and the word is from Jerusalem. Now, maybe I, what I want to do here, like I said, Jerusalem's that center point. It's a center point that's where uh, out of Jerusalem are our Father's commands come, the standards for righteous living, right? 
And then you have the priests who take that and teach the people, and so on and so on, okay? So, and I hope this is not unorthodox. I don't believe it is. Let's look at Washington, D.C. in the same way, okay? Now, we all voted the people in there, right? Okay? Right? So it's no different than... In Jerusalem, in uh, this picture I'm trying to paint here, okay? Because out of Jerusalem comes what is righteous and what is not, how to write rule. So that's the same way out of D.C. So what I'm saying here, collectively, Jerusalem isn't just being pointed out, this is all just about Jewish people. It's about all of God's people, what's being pointed out here. No different like... With D.C., out of D.C., that's all of us. Whether we voted for that person or not, all of us collectively. And could you not say here in America or out of D.C., so to speak, that that same cry has been going out? D.C., meaning all of Americans. You have Bibles. You have churches. Why? Why are you killing my words? Why are you throwing away my Torah? Why are you not doing what I've asked you to do? I don't see. I see the same picture. Or I believe we can take that same picture that's here and apply it for us. And we can't put ourselves. Even so much more for Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem will play a huge, plays a huge part. And I guess when I went to Israel... I got to be honest with you, I grew up, how growing up, you know, Christian, uh, the Assemblies of God and stuff like that. Um, but not until I went to Israel, I saw the importance. How much maybe we as Christians don't look at these things like we should and value these things, not just politically, but just because. That's where our king set things up. That's where all these things come, and there's so much more that we can learn. And we can't just throw them off to the, off to the side. They can speak to us. At least I'm, that's what I'm trying to show you here. So the importance of Jerusalem to the one who follows Christ or Messiah Look at the prophets, and even like we looked at the prophets, and we even saw how it's always been an important place, and we must understand it for what it is, and how it in it is a encap it should encapsulate encapsulate or maybe it should um, include or it does include not just Jews, it includes anyone who believes in the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, okay? So that's all the different denominations who believe in the, the Bible, as we would say it. So it's very important. Don't start excluding, well, I said that enough. So what Jerusalem represents is timeless, okay? His kingdom, his commandments for living, all these, all those who believe in the God of Israel. I have this in here too. So I have, I've got a couple minutes so I can shoot through there, okay? Because we hear this a lot. Well, I worship in spirit, okay? That's always, to me, sometimes the key word to get, a, 
out and from under everything because all of a sudden this all of a sudden that spirit that you're following is different from everything else and he's he's giving you a pass okay so i believe this is the woman at the well in john 4 our fathers worshiped on this this mountain but you people say that jerusalem is the place where one needs to worship this is messiah to this woman who's coming to the well. Now, there's other things here. I'm just going to the simplest parts here, okay? I'm not trying to bring in this big debate and blah, blah, and we're going to get lost, but the simplicity that can be here. So, and Yeshua said to, uh, to the woman, Believe me, the hour is coming and, um, when you shall neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father, okay? So at this time... Jerusalem was there, but a very short period of time, chaos came, and there was a lot of historical things that happened, okay? I believe you can put that in that context of what Messiah is talking about. Then he goes on, you worship what you do not know. So he's saying to someone outside, you worship what you don't know. Basically, he's saying Jerusalem's always been the center of his kingdom. Okay, you can't change that. I think Messiah's kind of being polite here. Okay, for you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know because the deliverance is of uh, Judah, Yudim. Okay, from there. So he's bringing it back. But the hour is coming when. Oh, and now and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father also does seek such, uh, such to worship him. Elohim is spirit, and those who worship him need to worship in spirit and truth. Now, that might sound like, okay, there's that spirit thing. Well, I worship in spirit, and okay? I, I wouldn't think that. The truth is Jerusalem is, the truth is Jerusalem has not been done away with. In some ways, it's the same attitude maybe uh, that we've seen other places. It's an issue of the heart. Let's look at it this way with this talking. The new Jerusalem and the old Jerusalem, because we looked at the old Jerusalem coming down from heaven, okay, and, you know, I'm under the Spirit, and it's the new Jerusalem I'm looking for, Okay. Um, I'm going to use this other uh, thing uh, as well to demonstrate what I'm trying to say. You have the Melchizedek priesthood, right? Okay. Oh, when we always hear, oh, we're under a new priesthood or whatever. Yes, Hebrew talks about talks about the Melchizedek priesthood. It's always been there. It's a higher authority, but the Levite priesthood is still there too. Okay? Now, if that's not enough, start thinking about, well, you know how the priest behaves, whether you're a Melchizedek priesthood or whether you're a Levite priest or whether, blanket says in the beginning, oh, I wish my people would be, act and behave like priests, like be a kingdom of priests. That doesn't make us that we walk in and do services that we do not have the authority to do, but we all know what a priest behaves like and how they should behave and what they should do. 
So you see what I'm saying? So there is, make sure when we're looking at that. And I don't believe that's any different with Jerusalem. Because the, re- the new Jerusalem, the renewed Jerusalem that's coming down, isn't going to have you acting any different than how you should behave in Jerusalem if you go over there today. You walk and you behave like Yeshua has asked you to. Right? You love. Don't be hypocritical. All right? You, you, you see what I'm saying? That, so there's no difference here. Jerusalem now, to Jerusalem then, their pictures, the priesthood, Melchizedek, it, it's just a higher priesthood. <laughs> it doesn't change anything for us. We still got to behave. Okay? So, and the last thing I'll leave here, guarding our traditions more than his commandments. Yes, I want to bring this idea of traditions in because it's always floating around, and I may not have uh, done it as, I may not have presented it the best I could. So I have another analogy uh, on that, and I'm going to bring it to like us today because we're trying to work these things out where we celebrate the feasts, Okay. Now, here's an idea where traditions, I'll give you an example, I'll give you a hypothetical thing, where traditions, they can't override the big principles in Scripture, okay? We're here celebrating Day of Atonement. Living Messiah has a tradition that we got from our brothers. We like to wear white, okay? It's a tradition. That's it. But we would be trampling all the commandments severely if a brother or sister came in and like, I heard that you guys do Day of Atonement. It's crushing me. I need, you know, if we say, you don't got white, buddy, you can't come in. You see what I'm saying? Taking traditions and also if we would do, if something like that happens, that's where traditions can get in the way for the honest thing. So that's how we have to behave. We, you know, like I said, traditions are wonderful, but we got to make sure they're in their place and they don't handicap Messiah's work. Now, I know a lot out there just throw away all the traditions or whatever, and it's almost anarchy, okay? That's not good either, okay? But I hope I made my point here. So Jerusalem is the throne, and the Torah is part of his kingdom, Baruch Haba. Bashem, yeah. So, um, so I'll just leave it there because we're on time. So that's we finish chapter twenty-three. We're going to start twenty-four next time we get together. So I do want to keep that same mindset because that's what I believe. Messiah is trying to talk to us. And a lot of us come out of Christian churches. In there, it's the same message too. So let's just not, you know, leave and think that we didn't learn some good messages on how to behave. So, Father, Yahweh, we give you great thanks. We thank you for your love, your mercy that you have shown to each and every one of us. Father, we thank you, and may it be pleasing today, and have our ears be open, have us to understand more how you're going to speak to us, and the things that you have for us. Father, we thank you, we thank you for your words, and and help us to be empowered more by your Spirit, to become more 
like the image of your son, like that image that you would have us, because we desire that too. Maybe we just don't sometimes know how to do it, but you will help us because you're trustworthy. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. We'll be right back in about mm, maybe 20 minutes, so please come join us. Um, Come join us, and thank you for your, uh, your, your attention. It's an honor for me to be up here, so thank you.